Hello, and welcome to Meaning, an exploration of how spiritual significance emerges from the life and the work of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis. I'm your host, Chris Bonhoff. Whether we like it or not, change is an ever-present facet of church life. Clergy and community members come and go, buildings arise and decay, ministry priorities shift. But even when change is healthy and necessary, it can still bring anxiety. So the question arises, when the anxiety and disorientation of change comes up, how can church communities remain open to the divine presence and stay true to their faith? Plymouth member Reverend Mary Kay Sauter has helped many church communities through times of profound change as an interim minister in the United Church of Christ. We talked about the difference between decision-making and discernment and the spiritual work of seeking God in the liminal space of change. I think that for me, discernment is a, one of those hazy words that kind of is easy to throw around in church spaces. And it, it can be easy to just mean, well, I have a decision to make and I'm at church, so I'm gonna call it discernment without really understanding what sets discernment apart from other decision-making processes that one might engage in. My last interim was with St. Paul Park UCC, and they had sold their building and were looking to the future, what to do. And I tried using the process I had used before. But then at the annual meeting that year of the UCC, Susan Beaumont was there and she'd written a book, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going. Mm -hmm. And her book is all about the difference between decision-making and discernment. And so I was then able to more concretely look at the differences and lead them through a whole different process of discernment as to where they were going and what that would mean. So the discernment process is about being open to possibilities of not coming into a meeting with yes or no already in your mind but agreeing with everybody who's there, we're going to come to this with open minds, open to God and open to listening to God through each other and see where we end up. Mm -hmm. And we starting out, we don't know where we're at. We don't know. So it was a matter of having them then start looking at what their options were, brainstorming about that going to like a, another UCC church that they might partner with or a United Methodist church that was closer and they might partner with, closing, starting a new church. And then during sermon time Sunday morning, I introduced the process to them as God's work. Yeah. So it was part of worship. And then we took each one of them and they would put down all the reasons why this would be a good choice and why it might not. But all the different reasons. And, and when it would get quiet, I'd say, okay, what else? Not assuming it was over, but what else? Mm -hmm. 
because people's minds sometimes are hesitant to say something or haven't thought of something and give them space and room. And there were ideas that came out then. Yeah. And just to take a step back, when an interim minister shows up, mm -hmm. you can be sure that it is a time of transition. Yes. Something has ended and the next thing has yet to begin. Right. And so an interim minister's job is to just be present in that space. Ours is not to give them an answer. Yeah. They need to discern the answer themselves as to where they're going and what they're doing. We're there to lead the process, to ask the questions, and to give them confidence that they can do it. Yeah. I imagine that there are a lot of emotions that are present when, when an interim period begins. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of uncertainty, which can excite some people and make other people really anxious. And in particular, people who have invested in a community for a long, long time might feel a lot of sadness, anger. Yeah, that's one of the pieces that we'd, I'd always lay out is acknowledge the grief mm. in losing somebody. Acknowledge that you're not all in the same place. Be available if anybody wanted to talk with me. It just was different in every interim I did. And then I think the other piece is to be calm. Mm -hmm. And we can be calm because we're not going to come up with the answers. Mm -hmm. The pressure isn't on us yeah. to do all the work. We're just there leading the process and helping people get to their own decisions as a group. Right. And that calmness, I think, is interesting because, I mean, there's a, there's a cultural value that is placed on expediency, mm -hmm. speed, moving forward through the indecision to the solid ground and a solid ground that it is somehow better than the last solid ground that you were on. And so it's, it, it's this countercultural kind of thing to be calm in that space. It's, a, it's kind of a different kind of leadership that it requires of someone. And I think Susan Beaumont talks about this in her book. Well, it's the last thing we want to do is to agitate things. Yeah. To split people in the congregation. So a big part of it is listening. Just listening. Yeah. And helping them listen with each other to what's going on. And there are many barriers to being able to listen. Well, and that's, again, why you started out saying, we are not here with answers. Yeah. We are here to discern where we're going. Yeah. And we need God's help to do that because we don't know. But we need each other also. 
And so we are going to listen with each other to all the possibilities rather than coming in with a decision already in our mind. We're going to listen to what the possibilities are. Yeah. And everybody can share. Everybody. Throw out your ideas, whatever they might be, and see where it goes. Every interim process is different, so I get that. It seems to me that that, that first step of, of getting yourself ready to listen and to be open to other possibilities than the one that just your logical brain has already identified as the right thing to do, the right thing to do, is the hardest thing in, in these, these liminal interim yeah. kinds of spaces. Is that, is that true in your experience? Yes. Again, it depends on the people who are there. Mm -hmm. Some people are more rigid mm -hmm. and want things more going their way. Mm -hmm. or really do believe they have all the right answers. Yeah. And I would guess that within that there's sexism and racism and classism with certain people believing that they know better than anybody else what should happen. Mm -hmm. But again, God speaks through everybody. You don't have to be in the richest, the whitest, the malest. Don't have to be those things for God to speak through us. God speaks through everybody. Some people maybe have had experiences of feeling like they can feel God's presence in in an experience or mm -hmm. in their in their lives. And other people have no idea what that even means. Like when you say that, what what are we even talking about? Sitting in my office trying to figure out a sermon, no clue, got in my car and started driving because that's where God often speaks to me. In the car? In the car. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I don't know, I'd gone I, 15, 20 miles when, yeah. What I needed came to me, but God is a part of it. But it's also listening to others mm -hmm. because God speaks to us through so many people in yeah. so many ways. Reading, listening to the news. Yeah. You mentioned process theology. Mm -hmm. um, Gordon Kaufman specifically talks about God as like serendipitous creativity. And, you know, womanist theologians talk about the, the way that appears out of no way. When you don't know what the path forward is, and then however it happens, all of a sudden it becomes clear what, what that path, what the next thing is. And thinking about that experience as the presence of God I think opens things up. You don't have to like have any specific view on any, you know, aspect of Christianity or any kind of faith tradition to just be able to, to identify with that experience of you're at the end of your rope and then, oh, that's what I can do. 
the idea that that is God is, is I, I love that. I do too. And it happens over and over again if we're open. Mm-hmm. And none of us are open 100% of the time. Right. But when we are, it's phenomenal. Yeah. And it's all about love. It's all about sharing God's love with the world. So that makes it even more special and an awareness that that openness to God brings something so good into the world. And thinking about how that applies to group discernment processes in, in church questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, it, there is a necessary aspect of church life where, you know, you have to, you have to keep the lights on and etc. But then like to open, to, to, to enter into this discernment space, is that even possible when you have a fear of scarcity? Can you, can you hold those things simultaneously? Well, maybe the mistake is living in fear of scarcity in the first place. And I realize there are budgets. You have to have a certain amount of money to keep things going. Mm-hmm. And churches are closing. They're running into problems and they're closing. So it's not unheard of. But then you wonder where along the way the fear became dominant. So being practical is not the same as living with fear. Mm -hmm. So I think that there are times when you need to take chances and trust each other and trust God in the process. And you never know. You might still end up closing at some point in time. Yeah. But, But being true to your faith, being true to an openness to God, and doing ministry. If you end up closing because you spent too much or something, well, you're still faithful. Mm-hmm. And you're still doing things. We're about sharing God's love with the world. So how can we best do that? And that takes listening for God. Listening for God, listening to each other. Yeah. yeah. Listening with each other. When you're in community, what takes you out of a listening posture? And when you're fully present and listening to your community, what do you hear? What paths forward are your community suggesting in this moment? Thanks to Mary Kay Sauter for your ministry and for your presence in the Plymouth community. And as always, thanks to Jimmy Hulse for our theme and Max Brunell for additional music. Your thoughts and feedback are always welcome. Email us anytime at meaning at Plymouth.org. Meaning is a project of Plymouth Congregational Church of Minneapolis.